On today's show, I'm breaking down what the Rangers have in Wyatt Langford, the five biggest surprises before the All-Star break, and a look ahead at the Rangers' 2024 schedule. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cribblingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Thursday, July 13th. Your Rangers are 52-39, and 39, alone in first place in the AOS, two games ahead of the Houston Astros. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where we are so close to 2,500 subscribers. And the best way you can help grow the show is to hit that subscribe button and comment near any single thing below. Now, I am finally back in town. I've been out of town since Sunday afternoon. Just got back in yesterday, so I missed the draft until, you know, uh, catching up a little over the last few days. I've been out of town without much cell phone service, so I, I didn't really see a whole lot of what was going on this week. I did get to catch the home run derby. Talk about that in just a second. A little bit of the All-Star game, but I did see that the Rangers drafted Wyatt Langford number four overall, and this this is a huge development for the Rangers. This is a great break by Texas. I thought they were going to end up with Walker Jenkins or Max Clark, two of the high school in players in the top five. There was a clear-cut top five for the Rangers. I thought there was maybe a chance they might do something weird and and do what they did last year with Kumar Rocker and going way under slot to kind of you know, spend a bunch of money on whoever's their fourth round pick and try and, you know, get a guy out of his high, his college commitment and, and spend big money on him like the Rangers did um, with Brock Porter last year. But they decided to go no nonsense and just take the best player available. And that was Wyatt Langford. If you don't know much about Wyatt Langford, um, thankfully, the Locked On MLB live draft was, was great. There was a lot of coverage there and a bonus episode on Monday that they know a little bit more than I do. But I, I was just really excited about Wyatt Langford. I thought there was maybe a chance he fell to the Rangers. I didn't think it was a good chance, but turns out the Tigers really, really loved Max Clark. They took him number three overall. Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz went one and two, as pretty much everyone expected. And the Rangers ended up with Wyatt Langford, who is a fantastic prospect out of the University of Florida. He's 21 years old, listed at 6'1", 225 pounds. And the big, big thing about Wyatt Langford is his power. He hit the longest home run in the history of the College World Series, 456 feet, I believe it was, in a place that is very difficult to hit home runs. He hit 21 bombs this year in 303 plate appearances at Florida. Last year with Florida as a 21-year-old, he hit 26 home runs in 303 plate appearances. This year, he had a slash line of 373, 498, 784, a 1283 OPS. He walked 12 more times than he struck out, 56 walks to 44 strikeouts. Um, those numbers were inverted just a little bit last year. 44 strikeouts actually in in both of his, his two years that he actually started every day. As a freshman, he did not play very much at all. Four games, four plate appearances for him. One for four with the strikeout. Just not much to write home about because it was a very, very talented team. And you see what he'd done the last couple of years. You kind of wonder, how was he not starting from the get-go at Florida? They had a very talented team. He made his impact as a sophomore and as a junior. This year, he also had 28 doubles and three triples along with his 21 home runs, nine stolen bases, 
to just one time caught stealing. So he has the potential to be a true five tool guy. He played mostly left field at Florida, a little bit of center field. He's got this foot speed to stick in center field, but the routes were not great, not super great, but you know, in the Rangers system, I don't think he'll be, he'll, I think he'll play a little bit of center field, but I think he'll mostly be in a corner. He's got an arm that's good enough for right field, not great. It should be fine. I think eventually he ends up as a left fielder. And, you know, the Rangers have two guys that are center fielders that I think ahead of him on the, the depth chart in, by the time he gets up in Leo Tavares and Evan Carter. I think both those guys are much, much better defenders in center field. And even if even if White Langford does stick in center field, I don't think he'll necessarily need to with the Rangers. His power potential is absolutely immense. His swing decisions are fantastic. And he's got a pretty good hit tool as well. He's, he's decently fast. And I think that this is... The, one of the best case scenarios for the Rangers, except for maybe Paul Skeens falling. I don't think there was any way that Skeens was falling to the Rangers at four. I don't think there was any way that Dylan Cruz was falling to the Rangers at four. These big three college bats or college players, I should say, because Skeens is not a bat, even though he probably could be if he wanted to go two way, um, but he's not. I, I think that White Langford was the most realistic hope for the Rangers to, for one of these guys to fall to them. All these guys are fantastic talents and baseball perspectives really, really loves uh, what Wyatt Langford is. They have him ranked ahead of Paul Skeens on their mid-season top 50. I'll get into that because there are a couple Rangers on their top 50 and a couple guys that are in their top 60 as well that weren't, that didn't make the cut for the 50. But Wyatt Langford is a fantastic prospect. The Rangers aren't going to be able to include him in any trades. They haven't signed him officially yet. I think that he might take the vast majority their bonus pool, which is just fine. Honestly, whatever happens behind him in this draft does not really matter that much. The Rangers decided to go very, very pitcher heavy. 13 pitchers, three outfielders, one catcher, one shortstop is who they drafted. Um, a lot of college guys, a lot of college relievers who are probably going to sign for well under slot. The Rangers don't have a big bonus pool because they don't have second or third round picks because they signed Jacob DeGrom and Nathan Evaldi, which again, I would do 100 times out of 100. And this is probably their last top five pick for hopefully several years, hopefully for a while. And so the Rangers just went with the best guy available. We'll use the vast majority of their bonus pool on him. I'm not worried about him not signing. I think the Rangers will do whatever they can to get him signed, even though that announcement hasn't been made yet. And I don't think a deal has been reached. The Rangers are going to do their due diligence. I think that there's no way that they let White Langford get away and go back to college because, I mean, he doesn't have anything left to prove at college. I think it'll be a little while in negotiations. It might be like next week. I forget how long it takes for these guys to sign, but the Rangers are not going to let him get away. This is a great, great pick. A, a guy who I slot in at number two in my in my prospect rankings, I'd have him behind Evan Carter just because I'm not exactly sure where White Langford is going to start his minor league career. I think he's going to be very, very advanced. I think there's a chance they start him in double A, but I hope that they start him in high A. Let him go there. Let him mash. If he mashes well enough in his first month or so, which I do think he's going to play this season. I don't think it's going to be like the last two Rangers first round picks where they didn't play at all because those are pitchers and pitchers are more injury prone. I think White Langford is, is going to play affiliated ball this year. It might be a little while before he, he does play and before he does sign, but I'm thinking that high A is probably going to be his first off if he stop. If he dominates there, then we see him in double A by the end of the season. That'd be great. I would love to see him and Evan Carter sharing an outfield at the end of the season. Maybe Evan Carter's already gone by then. Maybe, maybe that's when he's playing center field every day. I'm sure the Rangers will give him every chance to be a center fielder to boost that value, but I think the Rangers would like him to stay if they have to use him in a trade for a pitcher or whatever next season because they can't trade him until, I believe, a year it's been. 
uh, after he's drafted. So don't don't think to include him in any of your mock trade proposals that are coming up at the trade deadline because he is going to be here to stay. Hopefully he is going to sign soon and we can see him in a Hickory Crawdads or Frisco Rough Riders or even Down East Wood Ducks. I don't, I don't think he's going to be in Down East, but some kind of Rangers affiliated uniform. I am so thrilled with the pick. I don't really care that much about whatever happens in the rest of the draft. I think the Rangers have done a good job of finding talent for below slot value in years past. So I think whoever they got will be fine after that. But again, I'm not super concerned with 4th through 20th round picks of the Rangers. I am mainly concerned with Wyatt Langford, and I am really, really excited about his potential. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Home Run Derby All-Star Weekend and the five biggest surprises for the Texas Rangers in the first half of the season. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win money with less, more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. If you want to win 100 times your on your money on daily fantasy baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout uh, or up to eight pick contest. You know, choose as many as eight players as you like. Pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, or more. Get your picks right and you could win big. You know, this is a new kind of fantasy baseball. So if you are a fantasy baseball guru, if you are feeling like you know better than the odds makers, then this is your chance to go and win yourself some money. You know, if you're thinking about the Rangers uh, and while they're playing against Cleveland this weekend, then you could go with John Gray to have a great bounce back start. I feel like he's always a little bit of a risky pick. But if you're feeling good about John Gray out of the break, you can go make those picks on Sleeper. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first lesson every single day. On Friday's show, I'll be catching five key, talking about five keys to the second half of the season. The Rangers take on the Guardians this weekend. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, All-Star Weekend, I felt pretty good about taking a vacation during All-Star Week, or not weekend, but just week, whatever, because it's, it's been a whole week, and there really wasn't a whole lot going on. The Rangers did have six players at the All-Star Game. It was fantastic to go see all of them on the field at the same time. It was the first time any team had had six players on the field at an All-Star Game at the same time since the 1951 Brooklyn Dodgers, so Rangers making history there was a lot of fun. A pretty... A pretty low-key inning from Nathan Eovaldi, and no other Ranger had a hit, and that that was pretty much it. There was not a whole lot going on. The AL lost for the first time, and I believe it was nine years, of course. Of course, I blame Dusty Baker managing. I just, you know, one more thing you can blame on the Astros, then, then why wouldn't you? Not a great weekend for Adolis Garcia in terms of his home run derby. I feel like he was robbed a little bit by the pitching of Tony Beasley, was not hitting his spots at all. Adolis was letting a lot of balls past him. He got beat by his best friend, Randy Rosarena, and Randy ended up losing in the final to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the second person named Vladimir to ever win a MLB home run derby. So... Fun stuff there. One of the more fun home run derbies I think I've seen in the longest time with Luis Roberts' amazing, effortless 470-foot home runs with Adley Rutschman going switch hitting. That was amazing. Julio Rodriguez and his record-setting round, and as soon as he set that record, I kind of knew that he wasn't going to end up winning it because nobody who ever sets the record ever ends up winning it. I mean, it's just how it goes. I mean, when, when Josh Hamilton set that record and when Vladimir Guerrero 
Jr. set that record a few years back against Pete Alonso. I mean, it was just, it was not going to happen for him. Good for Vladdy getting the win. A lot of fun in that home run derby. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the five biggest surprises for the Texas Rangers in the first half. Now, the Rangers being really great was a bit of a surprise. Just the overall record could be included in this, but I'm going with more players. I was on Locked On Sports today. You can go check out that. I talked about the Rangers' uh, ability to hold this lead in the AL West down the stretch, how surprising this season has been, but I'm going to go with more individual players, more specified, because this is my podcast, not the Locked On Sports Pod Today podcast. But number one, my number one biggest surprise of this first half has got to be Dane Dunning. He has been absolutely fantastic for the Rangers, even with a slightly shaky, most recent start on Sunday, a not great game against Nationals, not a great series against Nationals, not a great final few series for the Rangers heading into the All-Star break, but they do still have that two-game lead on the Astros. But Dane Dunning has been a huge part of what the Rangers have been doing. 12 starts for him, 20 games pitched so far, 92 innings, just 59 strikeouts, but 2.3 walks per nine, 0.6 homers per nine, and 5.8 strikeouts per nine with a 284 ERA. That is the, eh, not quite the best on the staff. He just, he was ahead of Nathan Evaldi before his most recent start, but now he is one point behind Nathan Evaldi. Evaldi has a 283 ERA. Dane Dunning has a 284 ERA. But the consistency with which Dane Dunning is pitching effectively and getting strikes and going pretty deep into games, even without throwing a whole bunch of pitches, has been truly exceptional. The rebirth of Dane Dunning, the breakout of Dane Dunning has been absolutely massive. He doesn't really count as a homegrown starting pitcher, but he's kind of close to what the Rangers have. I mean, he did have one season, a pandemic-shortened season in the big leagues with the White Sox before the Rangers traded Lance Lynn for him, and I thought at the time that was a really buy low or sell low deal for the Rangers because I, I wasn't that big a Dane Dunning guy. Now I see, wow, how foolish I was, how absolutely absurd I was to think that that was a losing trade for the Rangers. Now that was a massive win for the Rangers, getting the innings they have out of Dane Dunning, getting the consistency, and I think his ERA is probably going to end up somewhere in the three and a half range as long as it's sub four and he is giving you five, six innings per start. He was supposed to be your number six start, seven starter, really, at the beginning of the season before injuries forced him into the rotation, but he has stepped up in a huge, huge way. The Rangers have got to be extremely pleased with what they've gotten from him, and he is a huge part of why the Rangers are 52 and uh, 39 at the All-Star break with a two-game lead over those Houston Astros. The number two biggest surprise of this season was Ezekiel Durant. I mean, he came out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, I thought that he was going to be the Rangers' everyday left fielder out of camp. He didn't end up winning that job out of camp, but he has been truly fantastic for the Rangers, stepping up and winning that everyday job when Corey Seager went down and the Rangers' offense didn't miss a beat. It might have even gotten a little bit better than it was in the, what, seven or 10, 15 games in before Corey Seager got hurt. And Ezekiel Duran has been incredibly consistent in 70 games so far this year. He's got 12 home runs, 16 doubles, triple, hitting over 300, an OPS of 870. He has played left field. He has played shortstop, third base, second base. I think he's played a little bit of right field as well. Yes, he has. He has also played first base. He has played everywhere except for center field and catcher this in pitcher as well, um, for counting that as a defensive position. Um, he's played everywhere and he's been incredibly consistent, hitting the absolute snot out of the baseball. His hard hit percentage is in the top quarter of baseball expected slugging. Top 12% of baseball expected batting average is in the top 9% of baseball. And he's also incredibly fast, the top 11% sprint speed and the 100 percentile of arm strength. So having his arm out there in the field, even if it is just in left field, I mean, the Rangers have 
probably the, the best arms in in the outfield by far. If you have Ezekiel Duran, who's in the 100th percentile, Leody Tavares, who I believe is in the top 10 percentile of arm straight in center field, and then Adoles with his massive cannon of an arm in right field. I mean, nobody can run on the Rangers outfield. That is a very, very good defensive outfield. I mean, Ezekiel Duran's still figuring his way out defensively every day in left field, and I'd like to see him get more reps out there so that we can see a little bit more Mitch Garver DH, but having him and his versatility is absolutely huge. Not only the versatility, but the ability with the bat that he has got to be in the lineup every single day because he is one of the Rangers best hitters. I mean, he's not their best hitter. And the fact that he is hitting, you know, seventh or eighth pretty much every day just speaks to the insane level of depth of this lineup. And his, his breakout is fantastic and huge for the Rangers, not just for this year, but for years to come. Speaking of a breakout that is not just big for this year, but for years to come, we are talking about number three, the biggest surprise on the Rangers in the first half is Leo Tavares. He is a 2.4 war player so far this season. Um, he was actually passed by Jonah Heim and Josh Young with fantastic final series of the season, but he is on pace to have about a four and a half five four season which is absolutely insane in 76 games he's hitting 295 with an on base just one point below 340 he's got 10 home runs 15 doubles two triples nine steals to just three times caught stealing he has played elite defense in center field and he has been absolutely massive for the rangers in that number nine spot in the order he has provided a lot of value in starting rallies in getting on base ahead of marcus simeon who is a great rbi guy and you don't really always think that about the top of your lineup but that's what marcus simeon is and the depth of this lineup and these guys hitting seventh eighth and ninth and the the best bottom three of any lineup in baseball outside of maybe the Braves. It depends on the day and, and how hot anybody is going at the particular moment. But for the most part, the Rangers are the best bottom third of a batting lineup of all of baseball. Middle third is fantastic. The top third is, well, it's it's got Corey Seager in it, who's probably the best hitter who's not Shohei Otani in all of baseball. And he might even be better than Shohei Otani with the amount of staggering numbers he's been putting up this season. But Leody Tavares we knew the defense and any offense was a bonus. And this level of offense is just a massive, massive bonus for the Rangers, not just this year, but for years to come. If he is a legitimate, you know, roll six, a borderline all-star player in center field, and that allows you to move Evan Carter to left field or eventually Wyatt Langford to right field or Adolis Garcia, you still got Adolis Garcia and Ezekiel Duran. I mean, you have a log jam at the major league level at every position at outfield. I mean, the depth of this team is insane and Leo Tavares breaking out when he did. So the Rangers didn't have to force Evan Carter up to the big leagues before he was truly ready is a huge, huge bonus for the Rangers. Like I said, not just for this year, but for years coming coming up we're gonna go with two guys that were almost afterthoughts at the beginning of spring training and now ended up being crucial parts of the rangers team but first this word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by bird dogs bird dogs are the most comfortable pair of pants you will ever find yourself wearing or the most comfortable pair of shorts they'll, they'll be the most comfortable of but of both bird dogs make you look good and bird dogs uh, stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer on the thigh and the leg to give you a truly sculpted look bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as lululemon but they fit way way better they fit better than regular shorts that are made of that stiff restricting cotton bird dogs fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day 
long. You know, these bird dog shorts are so freaking comfortable. I, I'm, I'm wearing them literally all the time when I'm going out for a jog or for a walk around the neighborhood, even when it's 103 degrees like it is today. Uh, they are still keeping me dry. I'm not having to sweat through my pants, which I, I'm sweating through my shirt a, a million times coming back from Colorado back to the Texas heat. But the bird dogs, they are keeping me nice and dry and comfortable on my lower body. So go to birddogs.com slash MLB and our promo code LOCKEDONMLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on Monday's show. I'll be breaking down this weekend series against Cleveland and why the Rangers need it to be a good one coming out of the All-Star break. The Rangers take on the Guardians this weekend. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, we are talking about the biggest surprises for the Rangers before the All-Star break. And at number four, this guy honestly could have been number one in terms of the bigness of his surprise. But we got to talk about Travis Jankowski. He has been incredibly valuable to the Texas Rangers, the 32-year-old outfielder who was told that he was not going to make the opening day roster until Louis Tavares tweaked his oblique. And the Rangers turned around and said, actually, Travis, you you are. You are going to make the everyday roster. And he ended up earning himself himself a big, big role on this team. Pretty much the everyday left fielder at this point, playing a little bit over Ezekiel Durant, not playing really much against lefties. But he's played in 50 games for the Rangers in the first half. He's hitting 321 with an on-base of 414 and slugging 420. That's a 838 OPS. His career OPS over nine seasons is 652. He has been way, way better this year than he has in any previous season. He's got 20 walks to just 22 strikeouts. Really, really good command of the zone. Really does a good job in the bottom third of that order of keeping things going. A thing that I really like about Nathaniel Lowe is that he sees a lot of pitches and that even though if he's not hitting for a bunch of power, he is keeping that lineup moving and giving you a quality at bat. Travis Jankowski does that in the bottom third of the order. Plus, he's got elite speed, 11 stolen bases to just one time caught stealing. He's also got eight doubles, a triple, and one massive three-run home run in a wild, wild game that the Rangers played. Um, but he has been so valuable for the Rangers defensively coming in as a defensive substitution, playing every single outfield position, while Robbie Grossman has been um, really disappointing defensively. Travis Jankowski has been an absolute savior in left field or right field or center field or wherever he's going. If he's giving Leody a day off, if he's giving Adolis a half day off, or if he's just playing in left field as pretty much an everyday guy. Grossman has gotten more games in left field than Jankowski, which I think is... I think is a bit of a, a a bad part on the Rangers, but the fact that Travis Jankowski has been, you know, a 1.8 WAR player to this season in just 53 games is just absolutely astounding. He has been hugely valuable and a great, great signing for the Rangers. They kind of lucked out with Adol- or with Leody having that injury. Not that injuries are ever a good look, but the fact that they didn't let Travis Jankowski get away and the fact that he can play this role on this team in this lineup. It is absolutely a huge, huge boost for the Rangers. And number five, another guy who I didn't think much of um, before the season, and I didn't think that he would end up being the Rangers' closer, is Will Smith, the number five most surprising part of the first half for the Rangers. He's got a 306 ERA in 32 and the third innings, 35 strikeouts, just eight walks, and two home runs allowed. That's 5.6 hits per nine. 
0.6 homers per nine, 2.2 walks per nine, and just under 10 Ks per nine. He's also saved 15 out of 18, I believe, opportunities. Maybe it's out of 17, but he hasn't had that many blown saves. He's been very, very consistent. For a bullpen that has been really hit or missed, he has been pretty much hit almost every time, and most of his ERA blowups have been in non-save situations. He has not blown a whole lot of games, and I feel comfortable with him coming in in the ninth inning. Now, I do still think the Rangers could use close, trading for a closer, another bullpen arm, but Will Smith is going to pitch in high leverage situations. He is extremely trustworthy. That breaking ball is absolutely incredible and very, very effective. And even though the fastball is, is kind of mid, it works very, very well with what he's doing. He has been in the big leagues for now 10 seasons. He knows what he's doing. He has won a World Series. He's been the closer on a World Series team. So having that veteran presence in there is absolutely huge. The Rangers now have two lefties in their pen who have both won World Series as closers and have pitched quite a bit in the playoffs. That is a huge boost for the Texas Rangers, especially as Josh Spores has kind of come rocketing back down to earth in the last week and a half. Um, I would have put him on here instead of Will Smith, but it has not been a great couple of weeks for Josh Spores. I think he might end up ironing himself out, but either way, the Rangers are probably making another trade or two for some bullpen help. Now, let's look a little bit at the Rangers' uh, schedule for next season. It came out this afternoon and uh, right about when I would normally release an episode, which is kind of great that I actually waited until later so I could actually talk about this. But the Rangers open their season at home again next year. They will play three games against the Cubs, and it's going to be a pretty tough first month of the season for the Rangers. They immediately travel to Tampa Bay after that first series against the Cubs. Then they have four-game series against Houston at home in the second week of the season. That is going to be absolutely massive. They sandwich two series against Houston, one at home the, first, the the second weekend of the season, and then one away the third weekend of the season. They sandwich those two series with three games at home against Oakland. That's going to be nice because I feel very confident in saying that the Oakland A's are going to be terrible yet again next season, but they also have a trip to Atlanta in that first month. They have three games at home against the Reds, who I think will be much improved. They have three games against the Mariners, who I think will be probably have a bounce back season and then they start uh, july is going to be a lot of fun they've got a tough month there they've got a road series against the astros they've got um, a home series fourth of july week against the padres that's going to be fun then they also face off against the Tampa Bay Rays right after that. I don't know if the Rays are going to be on this level of dominant next year, but they're still going to be a really solid team. Another thing that stands out to me is that the Rangers are done facing off against the Astros in August. August 7th is the last series of the year against the Astros. There's going to be a three-game home series on from August 5th through 7th. The Rangers end the season, and I think what will be a very, very good position because their final six games, while they are on the road and while they are West Coast games, the next to last series from September 24th to the 26th is three games against Oakland. Those could be three of the last games ever in Oakland um, at a major league park. And then the final three games of the season will be at the LA Angels of Anaheim, who will almost definitely be without Shohei Otani. And will probably be a hot mess of garbage next season. Or maybe he shocks the world and re-signs there, and um, the Angels are actually good next year, and uh, everything feels topsy-turvy. That could end up being, in that scenario, if Otani returns, then that could be a big playoff series for the Rangers. 
But if not, if the Angels are just in the tank, then having those final six games against the A's and the Angels could be huge for the Rangers, who will hopefully be challenging for an AOS title, if not winning it outright. Or maybe they can just secure the AOS title on the road that week. Or maybe even if I'm feeling very, very bold about the Astros falling off, which I'm not, um, they could go with the, the final home game of the season, September 22nd at home against Seattle. I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be a rough first month of the season for the Rangers that July is going to be also tough. I don't think the Rangers have, yeah, they don't have a stretch of 31, 30 games in 31 days heading into the all-star break next year, like they did this year, but their, their series right before the all-star break is three games at Houston. That's going to be tough, um, but should be a fun schedule. Glad the Rangers get to open up at home. Now, just real quick before we scoot, I did want to mention that the Rangers have a top five prospect in all of baseball, according to Baseball Prospectus. They have Wyatt Langford as the number five prospect in all of baseball on their mid-season top 50. They are very, very high on him. Um, the reasons they aren't high on him, one of the things that they think is he might end up sticking in left field and the power potential is more potential at this point than it is actualized in games, which I think if, if it's not actualized in games at four, hitting 456 home runs in the College World Series, then imagine what it's going to be like when it's actualized. I mean, the raw power is absolutely insane. They are very high on him. The other guy who the Rangers have in the top 50 is Evan Carter. Then you get all the way at 11. He has fallen behind Marcelo Meyer of the Boston Red Sox and also um, Jackson Chorio of the Brewers, Paul Skeens of the now Pittsburgh Pirates. White Langford they have is the second best prospect in this draft. Dylan Cruz is just ahead of him at number four overall. Um, and I'm a little surprised that Evan Carter fell all the way to 11, but Ethan Salas of the San Diego Padres is just turned 17 and he is already crushing full season ball. So, um, yeah, he definitely deserves to be a top 10 guy, but seeing Marcelo Meyer in there, uh, where the Rangers could have drafted him instead of, uh, Jack Leiter and Jordan Lawler at 14, who the Rangers also, I thought should have drafted instead of Jack Leiter is just a little frustrating, but you go all the way down to the top 10 or the 10 that just missed the cut and the Rangers have a pair in there, Luis and Helicuna at 15. 59 and Sebastian Walcott all the way at 60. He is going to be turning some heads. I have been really impressed with him. I had him at three in my top 30 prospects before he would now slide down to four with the addition of Wyatt Langford, but really exciting to see him get some love and the Rangers get some love in general. Now I'll be back tomorrow's show. I'll be breaking down five keys to the Rangers having success and winning the AL West in the second half. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.